Hey, Sarah. Hey, what? I want to watch romantic comedy. Love isn't easy. That's why they call it love. That? What in the movie? Yeah, Ray Romano. Yeah, I know exactly who said it. <laughs> Camille's like, "What? No, that doesn't make sense." He's like, "I know. I thought it would go somewhere." Yeah, let's get back into that. But first, let's tell people who we are. Hi there. Hi there. I'm Justin. No, this is Justin. <laughs> I I'm here with Sarah, <laughs> and I'm here with Justin. <laughs> and we're romcomcom.com or romanticcomedycommentary.com. Yeah, I did you it are all backwards. Today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And today, we're going to be talking about the big sick. The big sick. We kind of held back for a little bit because it felt a little too on the nose. Well, yeah. I mean, just a movie, I guess, called Sick. It's not really about a pandemic. Yeah, it's just about a sick person. A sick person. But Mm -hmm. no, I want to go back to what you said, that quote from Ray Romano. Mm -hmm. I loved that part because it spoke to me specifically (laughs) because it's not that I don't think I could give good advice and it's not that I don't think I've never given good advice. But I feel like in that moment, his reaction was to panic when when he was trying to give out advice mm-hmm. and just started word vomiting. Mm-hmm. Things came out. <laughs> and even as he was doing it, he was going, well, no, that's just, no, that's terrible advice. That's ter- yes. <laughs> and, and I felt like there's been times in my speaking life. speaking to you. Well, I felt like there's definitely been times in my life where I gave advice and I didn't say that's terrible advice. But in the moment I was thinking... I need to give this a disclaimer because this is not what they, this is either nonsense or this is actively the wrong thing to do. Do you have a specific? In, in high school, I was giving a friend uh, like relationship advice. And mind mm-hmm. you, I'd been dating uh, a girl for maybe like three weeks at this point. Ooh. The first time I'd ever dated a girl. So like I obviously had. A, You're a veteran. I was a veteran. Mm-hmm. I was a veteran. And he was like, oh, I just, I, I, I just don't, uh. I, I just don't know what to do with her and blah, blah, you know, I didn't blah, blah. What to I do like, with her? Like, to, like a dating activity, you yeah, know, like to okay. take her on a first date. I'm like, no, what you need to tell, you need to tell her like, hey, we're going to, here, here's, I got a thing planned for us. We're going to go here and we're going to do this. And you just t- tell her, just that way she doesn't have to worry about anything. Terrible advice because it took away all agency of her to have a conversation with him about what they were doing. But I was just so like, no, man, just you make it just make it all up. (laughs) And you say, no, this is what we're doing today. And blah, blah, blah. It's like she'll like the confidence. And again, I in the moment, I I really was like, I I don't don't know if that's terrible advice. It depends on the person. It was in that moment. I promise you, because even then I was really thinking, I don't know if this is right, but I felt so confident that I finally had a girlfriend because I had a girlfriend, Sarah's. So Did you I, do that with her? I knew what I was doing. No, I didn't do that with her. <laughs> Did you want to do that? No. What the, where'd that come from? I was just talking like in this scene and it was just, it was just, it was rolling. It just, oh. I, I, I thought if I kept going, that go I get somewhere. somewhere exactly like the, this scene with Ray Romano. Mm. Only I didn't have the courage to say, oh, well, no, that's, that's, that's just terrible, terrible advice. advice. <laughs> and, and I'm, and now I've gotten to the point so I used to have younger guys that would work for me. I had landscaping businesses. So I'd have like high schoolers and college guys that work for me. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, they'd ask me for some sort of advice. Not necessarily relationship, but like, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing XYZ in school. I'm thinking about this face or that. Face tattoo. Face tattoo. Well, always yes on face tattoo. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, but not neck tattoo. If you're going to... 
if you're thinking neck tattoo, either go full face tattoo or just chest tattoo. Right. Neck tattoo is so wishy washy. Right. It tells people you're you're just you're kind of into commitment, but not. That's just <laughs> like that's nothing. That's nothing. So mm. they'd ask me for advice, and again, not relationship specifically, but I I finally realized like I don't. I was terrified. I was like, I don't want to. These guys, for whatever reason, seem to respect my opinion occasionally. <laughs> you were older. I was old. Well, I was older, not necessarily wiser, and so. I, I got decent at trying to put it back on them, which is actually, I found not a terrible strategy. Yeah. Like basically. They just ta- need a sounding board. Exactly. Yeah. And so then that way I sounded wise. I couldn't be held accountable for their decision. So that's morally true. I was fine. <laughs> so that's kind of where I go to now. <laughs> uh, unless I feel really strongly about something. But even then, I, I realize like my experiences are usually really non traditional or normal everything Mm -hmm. with me always seems to be tilted a little bit Hmm. so even if i give someone advice it's like that's what worked for me probably won't work for you because it (laughs) barely did in my case so you could give brendan fraser advice i would love to give him advice (laughs) fraser 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 crane any of these guys i would give advice. wait what are you good you are good with advice am i good with advice no you're good at i think so you're at least very good at listening and Maybe you're good at letting the person reach their own conclusion. I don't know. I always hmm. feel good walking away from from chit chatting with you and getting. Oh, yeah. I get. I guess whatever you are giving out there is is effective. I think. Huh. I don't think I've ever walked away and, and a day or two like, later. Well, that was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should definitely ignoring that. Yeah, I'm going to be doing the opposite of what she's. Like. <laughs> well, because there are there there are friends you have in your life sometimes that once they give you yeah. advice once you kind of very quickly realize like oh no they don't know what they're talking they'd about they have no idea what they're doing or that you are just in such a different zone of your life that they can't relate to what yeah. you're saying you yeah. and i are in different zones of life but you somehow seem to get you seem very good at empathizing with other people's hmm. situations okay yeah thank you you have that going for I you i think laura is really good at that really laura inglehart yeah. oh god i look forward she's got more empathy than me i remember <gasps> lots of times being like this person's stupid and laura being like <laughs> oh i understand and then then like totally opening up to her like a flower and me being like well that was miss <laughs> on my part <laughs> well i desperately am looking forward to then the next time she's in columbus because as you know i've had quite a few stories over the last year or so that i would love to tell her mm. about and get her feedback on yeah. and i and i think they will run the gamut of oh poor you oh fuck that oh yeah da, 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 da. So mm-hmm. I, I, I really look forward to that yes and then i can compare and contrast the two how each of you handled it <laughs> the the stories and i'm a little more blunt not like rude but like you just you you don't you're not wishy-washy not rude unless it involves john mayer covers of songs i love (laughs) (laughs) then fuck that (laughs) so sarah we're talking about the big sick today we are for anybody that hasn't seen it would you like to give like a very quick postage stamp kumail nanjiani is a pakistani american who came to america when he was little and is now trying his hand at stand-up. He has a whole group of stand-up friends, but his family is very religious and keep trying to set him up with a, a an arranged marriage. He doesn't really like that. He's not really into it. Then at one of his shows, he meets Emily Gordon, who this is based on their real lives and how they really met. She's also not looking for anything because she's in grad school, But they end up hooking up and then they just can't seem to stay away from each other. 
And then a big fight happens where he admits that he never told his family about her because he's hiding her because he's afraid he'll lose his family because they would hate him dating a white woman. And then she gets really sick and he has to take her to the hospital and she ends up in a coma and has a horrible infection and is basically out of it for the middle part of the movie. And he ends up meeting her family and, and getting pretty close with her parents and learning a lot about himself and dealing with his own parents. And she eventually recovers. And then she has zero interest in him because last time she saw him, he totally like broke her heart and they had a huge fight. So she doesn't want to be with him or near him, but her parents kind of start to change her mind. He decides to move to New York with his friends, A.D. Bryant and Bo Burnham in real life. And um, then he's at a stand-up and just like they met in the beginning, she woos him. She goes, woo, from the audience. And he tells her she's a heckler. And then she says it was a positive heckle. And then the movie ends, assuming they'll be together. Because they do end up together because in the credits, it has all these pictures from their wedding. And it's so sweet. Congratulations. I think you just did a movie in like under a minute, minute and a half. Yay. And there's a lot in this movie. You really did a good postage stamp for that. I tried to. I really like this movie. Yeah. This is so good. I liked it much better the second time I watched it. I agree. Yeah. I I really did like it the first time, but watching it this second time, it, it, I didn't, I guess I was laughing more the first time. And the second time Mm. I got a lot of the subtleties and the more heart wrenching stuff. There's a lot of really subtle heart wrenching stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, again, like the Ray Romano advice scene Mm -hmm. that really is kind of gut wrenching in a way because you just see this guy kind of stripped bare Mm -hmm. and ultimately being like, yeah, I'm like, don't listen to me. I have no idea what I'm doing, (laughs) you know, but just like trying so darn hard. And that's just, yeah everyone in this movie is so well fleshed out oh yeah i think so i do too yeah well and especially when we're talking about emily in it Mm -hmm. i think emily was fleshed out she was only in this movie really as a a character for about what 35 minutes like the Uh, first 20 and the last 20 yeah Yeah. but i'd even then really what i'm saying concentrate Mm -hmm. on the first 20 or so Mm -hmm. we got more character development out of her there than we do like all of Katherine Heigl in uh, the the Ugly Truth or something like that. Like yeah. they really made you fall in love with this character and gave her a well-rounded personality yeah. in about 20 minutes somehow. Yeah. And they had to do that or else the rest of the movie where she's in a coma, you're, you're just... You know why they did that? Tell me. Because she and Kumail wrote it together. No, I I assume. Well, yeah. So they they know themselves. <laughs> well, no, I know that, but I'm so. saying I'm saying like if if they didn't do such a good job fleshing her out, though, mm-hmm. then you would have just been rooting kind of for Camille Camille Kumail Kumail. You would have just been rooting for Think Kum- pale. Ma- got it pale or male kumail. kumail yeah you would have just been rooting for kumail mm-hmm. the whole movie but you got to love her so you're rooting for them which i do think is a very big difference yeah. and i think that's why this movie works so well that mm-hmm. to me it's somehow a romantic comedy even though one of the romantic leads is in a coma for a lot of it for the bulk of it's the like film. while you were sleeping except you get to know 
uh, the person in a coma, <laughs> the person sleeping. <laughs> but that's but I just I don't know. I th- that really makes a statement to me about how good the script of this really was and how good the characters were fleshed yeah. out again because you're rooting for them as a couple. Mm-hmm. If again, let's go back to uh, another Catherine Heigl movie. Let's say Knocked Up. Let's say mm-hmm. the Catherine Heigl, I don't know, falls into a coma halfway through that movie. We're just watching Seth Rogen and laughing. We're not right. we're not falling because there wasn't anything there. This they I mean different There's movies. But yeah. They said it took them three years to write. Oof. Which I thought was interesting. So, I mean, they they definitely worked very hard on it. Um he Kumail was interviewed on NPR's podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour. And he said, my wife and I wrote a movie, and I'm in it, and it's going to come out next year. Right now it's called The Big Sick, but the name's going to change. So just look for the rom-com about a brown man and a white woman starring me. (laughs) 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 But they kept the name, and I wonder why. It's a good name. Yeah. I mean, why else would they, why, what would they change it to? I don't know. Coma Girl? Coma Girl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my pakistani family and me i mean it kind of is a hard movie to name in a way yeah because i mean it's not it, it's got a the whole family b plot that goes on in it i mean it how was do you right around when the movie the big short came out too so it was a little confusing to have the big sick and the big short the big sick also does just sound very classic rom-com to me yeah it just for whatever it's got a good name it rolls off the tongue in a certain rom-com powerful rom-com way mm-hmm. so in this she and he get into a giant fight over that he has not told her family about her yet right they were dating at that point. How long do we think? Like four months? Yeah, Five? three or four. Enough for her family to come into town and want to meet him. Okay. My question to you, though, is mm-hmm. f- four months or so and the family doesn't know about me, I don't n- think I'm having a relationship blow-up fight, though. That's the only thing. What? I, I don't think I'd have a relationship. I'd been like, okay, well, that's kind of weird, but can you walk the dog for me on well, why Well, she it found is? the pictures. That's what started it all. I I realized that, that didn't happen in real life, by the way. That did or did not? Did not. Oh, okay. Were they mm-hmm. broken up in real life when she went to the coma? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I just, I maybe I'm just practical. I don't know, or maybe I'm lying to myself. I'm just thinking if someone like, okay, well, we've been dating three, four months. Like my family doesn't know about you yet. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Like, is there a particular reason? Like, oh, blah blah blah. blah. Oh, okay. Let's talk through this. Well, I think it's because, at least in the movie, she's like, what's going on with all these women? That was a little... What the hell is that? And then him, her, and then being like, oh, your family doesn't even know. Like, it was like a double hit. To find a box of women. Mm Mm-hmm. I did like at the end... It, for the box of women, he brings out the jar of ashes. Yeah, like this this seemed like Is a really the ashes of the women. What? <laughs> the photos of the, the women photos that came out. This is this, weird. This is weird. Yeah. Oh, I love that. He did say, and I listened to this interview on All Things Considered, that in reality, his mom first heard about Emily and her serious illness, and she was very concerned and very supportive. And it was only after she found out that Emily was going to recover that she expressed her anger and didn't want him dating a white woman. (laughs) 
And he said she she was mad at him for pretending to be amenable to an arranged marriage. But he said that she never, ever, ever came close to disowning Kumail in real life. So there are a lot of things that were added. Yeah. Judd Apatow added the part about uh, Ray Romano having an affair. Emily Gordon said, of all the characters, those two are the least like my parents from anyone in this movie. Okay. So they did a lot of fiction. God, but I love them. Oh, my I love God, yes. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Brian couldn't get over the way she talks kind of out the side with her Texas accent. But that's you know? just her That's, that's her what thing. she does. Yeah. I was like, I love it. She's she's um, Mrs. Incredible. She's Elastigirl. She's so great. When I hear her accent, even though I know her you know, raising Arizona, Incredibles, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Firm, all that, mm-hmm. I I just only see her from Batman and Superman as the senator oh, who's, who says like, you know, don't, don't pee in a jar and tell me it's granny's peach tea or something. <laughs> I just, I hear her voice saying that very Holly Hunter way of talking. That's so funny. I just, she's so great. She's the tiniest person. Is she a teeny tiny oh person? Oh my God. Cause Zoe Kazan. Oh, five, two. Yeah. Zoe Kazan is super tiny. She's probably like a hundred pounds, 110 pounds soaking wet. And Holly Hunter is like shorter than her and somehow more wiry. He's five, four. Yeah. I tiny person. The scene where her parents are there and they go see uh, Kumail perform mm-hmm. his comedy routine yeah. and he gets heckled. Yeah. I must have a thing for very strong women. I do have a thing for very strong women, apparently, because when she stands up to that heckler, I was just like, I have never, I, I found Holly Hunter Fuck so yeah. attractive in that moment. Uh, and I was like, if I was you know, Ray Romano. based in reality. She apparently did that at the U.S. Open in real life. Holly Hunter did? Yeah. And got kicked out of the U.S. Open. Wait, why was she yelling at the U.S. Open? Because someone, someone was heckling. Yes. <laughs> So they wrote that into the movie. Oh my God. That's so f- wonderful. You should find that article. It's so funny. That's fucking awesome. So yeah, but when I saw that, it was just, I was like, that's the kind of woman I want is one that will stand up at a comedy show. If someone's heckling and be like, <laughs> fuck you, buddy. Like you need to call. Me. That's awesome. Wow. I love that character. See, so I much. appreciate that because I have let my anger get the best of me a lot of times. And then I always feel stupid afterward. And I don't think Brian would particularly like me yelling at a stranger, but I appreciate that, that you would like that. I would not if we were just like out and about and started yelling, but if like I was on stage getting heckled and mm. someone stood, you know, like a friend or girl, you know, and started yelling at someone heckling me, like that type of like, no, you don't mess with them. Like, well, especially that would be... in that given situation when he's like being really racist, like, ugh pretty uncalled for i just i again i just i guess i just love a strong woman what can i say i don't like yeah. a, a shrinking violet that's Good. just because <laughs> they're boring they are boring well well-behaved women rarely make history there you go where did i hear that this week someone said that in casual conversation speaking of open mics you know how badly we've talked about how badly i want to do stand up at some point mm-hmm. correct yeah did I tell you, I think I might have, that a few months ago I was at a open mic stand-up thing with a buddy, mm-hmm. and after the show or whatever, we're just standing at the bar, and we're talking, if there's bowling on TV, competitive mm-hmm. bowling, which, you know, I like bowling, and one of the guys had this big fro, and we're just spitballing about him, and one of the comedians comes up, and he's like, "Do you, are you a comedian? I'm like, well, no. And he's like, well, you're just, your delivery, like, it, 
sounds you like sound you would like do stand up <laughs> and and I my puffed my chest out and I felt so good and the next day I told my buddy Larry and he's like so let me get this straight what you're telling me is that you were at a open mic night that you yourself have told me in this conversation wasn't very good <laughs> and you feel good that you got complimented by the that a random stand up again you didn't think was good said you standed <laughs> like sounded like you could be one yeah it's like <laughs> yep. okay you take need, it where you can it's like it. you need to find something to hang your hat on a little better than that <laughs> but i've well. ran but i have have uh i've been actively keeping uh sarah some uh some stand-up ideas mm-hmm. one of them would be to talk about how i pr- uh, again haven't fleshed out these routines they're just some notes i've been keeping about if i ever do do an open mic okay um p- talking about how i actively will practice giving eulogies for friends when i'm driving around have i told you about that before maybe yeah i do that a lot (laughs) tim's i have tim's down flat even with the cry pauses it's fantastic i keep telling him i'm going to give it to him one day nice to meet you for the first time again early onset dementia i'm not sure what that is but i was very enthusiastic about it apparently my issues with commitment uh, examples I don't like watching a full movie because it ties me up too long. However, I'll binge watch five shows in a row. These yeah. aren't very good yet. <laughs> what I'm saying is I need a writing partner. Pretty much, I need someone to give me the material because I have no problem getting up in front of a crowd. Right. So that's that. Hmm. Yeah. So one day you may get suckered into coming to an open mic and having to tell me that I did good. <laughs> well, I'll go. Yay. <laughs> I just have to find a karaoke with a backing band. Live band karaoke does exist. I I just don't know if we have it here. Mm. So early on in this movie, they walk into Kumail's bedroom Mm -hmm. and he's an adult male. With an air mattress. But why? Yeah. They're so awful. Not just are. Yes, they are awful. Mm. But you walk into, I walk into a girl's room and she has an air mattress I'm maybe leaving. Yeah. Because that makes a lot of statements about... And a roommate sitting out in the living room. Well, that I could deal with. Like, that's... uh, That, you beggars can't be choosers, exactly. (laughs) But but the air mattress is where I would draw... You would draw the line at roommate? No, but that just makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) And then, like, you have to leave the room to go to the bathroom and maybe run into that person. Yeah, but that was, like, college. That was... uh, I mean, I guess we're long past college but well that was like how old were they like 26 i don't even know how old they were i assume everyone is my age in every movie i know that this came out like right after their 10th anniversary so would you rip you would rip cord at inflatable matches yeah i mean like that's really bad how would you how would you, and I'm I'm saying actual air mattress because I realize there is the sleep number beds, which are effectively air mattresses. No, yes, actual on the ground air mattress. Yeah. With no. Can you have sex in one of those? I feel like you can't have sex on one of those. I'm I feel sure like you'd pop you it. you can, but it's not going to be comfortable you'd or pop good. It. You'd have to pop it. I none of this know. is any good. Yeah, none of it's any good. I don't care for that. <laughs> I don't. I would be very uncomfortable they they do make you fall in love with them though with a lot of the little things like when he's making her watch that sci-fi movie mm. watch it. that b-roll horror movie has anyone ever done that to you <laughs> or do you remember any dating tests like that that you've ever received from someone whether it be 
a movie, a TV show, a band that you had to listen to, something you had to go to that was kind of like you knew you had to sort of be into? I don't know. I had a boyfriend who was really into country music, and I always hated it. Did you pretend to like country music? I mean, I got into... I was like, all right, I can do George Strait, but I'm not doing any of this new shitty pop crap that's just like, or like Brooks and Dunn, the really like heavily conservative stuff. And you didn't like Brooks and Dunn? Ugh. That uh, old, what is it? Old Dirt Road or Red Dirt Road? Red Dirt yeah, Road. Down the red and I drank my first beer. Yeah. That's where I found Jesus. Ugh, that kind of shit. Really? Yeah. Okay, I don't love it, but I can get down with some Brooks and Dunn. No. Toby Keith. Blech. Well, Toby Keith. But I bad. loved Brad Paisley. Saw him in concert. Brad Paisley's good. He's a guitar maestro. He is. He's nuts. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So and he's you... married to a rom-com star. Ooh, who? The daughter from Father of the Bride. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Like Brad Paisley. Me too. So then... You've never been really tested, though, exactly. Well, you ask me these things, and then I have I to know. think I about to, them. I need to text you prior sure to these I have next time. Because oh, I, I remember oh, in high yes. school, Yay. I was in art class with this guy who was two years older, who I was kind of like, "What's your deal?" Kind of. He was very kind of quiet and wrote poetry and I knew he played the acoustic guitar and he had these really big blue eyes and he had this kind of like mop of hair yes blonde black pants always big black pants no always jeans (sighs) he was more like a folk kind of guy oh like a donovan no like a woody guthrie kind of yes pete seeger-ish and um I had learned the lyrics to Bob Dylan's Redemption song, and it randomly came on, because in art class, our teacher would just put music on, or she would let us listen to music. She spent a lot of time in her back office while we just like farted around and did <laughs> random crap. It, it was like one of those, everybody had one high school class that wasn't really... Yeah, we left at one point and went to McDonald's, <laughs> like... <laughs> It was like you had four chairs and at a combined table kind of thing. And there were like, I don't know, eight tables or something. Was this a wine in her coffee mug type of art teacher? Oh, yeah. Like there was a rumor that her nasal um, cavity had collapsed because of all the cocaine, cocaine she did. And I feel like that has to be a pretty She did like art all teacher. this art that was very, you always knew it was hers. Those people had these big, huge slanty eyes and they were always in these weird cosmopolitan situations. She did a huge mur- mural over the um, local bagel shop and just all her shit. My mom was like, I don't like that. I don't. Was it that it was bad or just the style was odd? The style was odd and very specific, but she obviously had a lot of talent. Okay, I guess that's what I'm asking. Is yeah. There was some talent. It just mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, oh, this isn't my cup of tea, but it's yeah. something. Yeah. Gotcha. And so that song came on, and I started kind of like singing along to it quietly, like, emancipate yourselves from inner slavery. None but ourselves can rule our minds. I don't even have the words right now, but... And the guy turned to me and he's like, you know all the words. It's like, mm-hmm. Like pretending I didn't notice that he noticed, but being like, 
yeah, I fucking do. And then he started liking me. And then we... Was that your song after that? No, he wasn't like that. He just would like write me weird poems. But he was two years older, so... We were friends, but we didn't actually start dating until like right when he graduated and I was to just finish my sophomore year. Ooh. And then it was like kind of weird because he was leaving and I was like, I don't think we should date like when you're in college or anything. And anyway, kind of faded away. I broke his heart a little bit and he moved to California and got married and he's fine now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily have tests, but I do have certain like not warning things, but every girl that I've dated that hasn't like Seinfeld, it's not ended well. And on their part, well, that's a pretty common thing. Another one that Brian has horribly failed is the Muppet. Oh, that one's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Like, come on. That's a, Well, that is one I feel like if I could Brian put... also doesn't get Seinfeld. And he's one of your closest friends. He is. He is. <laughs> and he's my husband. But, but he's, I guess, oddly <laughs> untrustworthy that? in how some way. That? How does that work? That he doesn't pass two of the biggest tests. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're right. The Muppets would be a really big one. That He if turned I, to I, me I, once and said... If I don't like the Muppets, does that make me a bad person? And yes. I said yes. The answer is And you yes. said yes. And I told my mom and she said yes. Yeah. It absolutely <laughs> it was after does. after we were already married. I was like, well, it's too late now. If I showed a girl, every girl I've ever dated has like the Muppets. Oh, good. So that's good because that, now that you're mentioning it, it has come up quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh not all of like Seinfeld, like I said, the ones that didn't like Seinfeld ended up breaking my heart quite no. to some extent. So th- those are two good tests. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't expect if I put on a fish concert, I wouldn't be staring at them like he is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't be that kind of test. <laughs> but, but I will put it on when we're driving because I've done this before. And if there's a, all I'm looking for is a little like, oh, this isn't bad. Oh, well, who is this? That's all I want to hear, like a positive, mm. and that gives me a burst. But that's less yeah. about checking on them. Yeah. I don't know that I would trust if a girl didn't, couldn't sit through like a Star Wars. I'm not saying you got to like it, mm-hmm. but if you couldn't make it through that, I think that would just That's be, another thing Brian hates. He has to leave. Well, it's a good He's thing like, I'm not I don't dating even your like husband. hearing it. I'm like, okay, because Emma and I watched the last six we haven't watched the f- the first three that came out in the 2000s yeah. you know but we've watched the f- the latest three then the two in between and then the first the very first three and brian has to leave he's like i you, you can that's, listen to that but that's i insane. hate it i don't like any of it i don't even like hearing it that's insane i know someone that someone that i enjoy the company of so much that dislikes some of the the stuff that i enjoy yeah. the most in this world yeah well, but maybe- he did make me listen to a podcast in which the guy from Barstool explained why he's broken up with the girls from the podcast Daddy Issues. Or Your husband also made me listen to yeah. that. Yes. So that was a test, I think, too. <laughs> but I, You know what this conversation's taught me, though? 
you can fail a test and <laughs> maybe i need to open my maybe i need to open my heart a little bit more yeah. because i'm such good friends with brian mm-hmm. maybe there's a whole world of ladies out there who hate the ladies. muppets and hate seinfeld and i would get along with them and even as the words are leaving my mouth right now i, I don't know. like them or believe them it Ugh. can't be true i'm sorry i'm backtracking on what i just said how do you not like the muppets, the muppets. it's insane brian so of all the plays and rom-coms that we've seen, and maybe there's only been two, but I've got to say, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall and the vampire oh, musical still stands over this so one. So good. But over this, but just by a hair. This one, he does a one-man show in this. Oh my that god! If I, <laughs> the if I was there watching that, I would have been on the edge of my seat, oh my riveted to what was going. When he's explaining cricket, yeah. Did I ever tell? And it's so true, though. Like, she's like, that's a lot of Pakistani history. I wish I knew a little bit more about you, which is totally true. He's explaining Pakistan. I... The irrigation portion. Oh, uh, dear Lord. I think I could do a one-man show. Again, I need the content. I think I could really... I have no problem with the stage. I love a stage. I love being in front of a group <laughs> of people. I really think... Like I said, how I drive around giving fake eulogies in anticipations of <laughs> having to give them for friends. Uh. I also go around occasionally pretending I had a one-man show and what that would look Ooh. like. So one of these days, I may actually try and do something like that. Because okay. I think I could. But did I ever tell you I went to a one-man... I've only seen one one-man show in no. my life. Hold on to your hat. Because okay. it has nothing to do with this movie other than it's a one-man show. It was, so apparently Ohio State either has or used to have a very big um, uh, LGBTQ theater kind of festival thing. Theater festival. Like uh, shows, like plays and things would come, LGBTQ shows would come in for like a week, they'd all play down on campus. Oh, Like okay. a, I don't know what else to call it. Wouldn't it be called a festival? Sure. Sure. Festival. And so as part of a theater class when I was in high school, a couple of my friends had to go to a play. And so we, they picked one and we went Mm -hmm. and what they picked was a one man show. Mm. The one there were in the, in the, the, it probably seated like a hundred to maybe 150 people, something Mm -hmm. like that in like a black box kind of theater. And we were, my friends, there were like five of us. And then there were like three other people in the crowd. Whoa. The show Santa Claus is coming out. Hand to God. It was a one-man show all about Santa Claus being gay. Oh, so it was a fictional one-man show. Yes. And this guy kept jumping back and forth between Mrs. Claus talking about how she always knew. (laughs) And then he jumped to a reindeer. And then he jumped to be like a little boy. And they just... It was... It was awesome. I mean, it really... Because the guy was so... (laughs) There was no way you could do that show and not be... If you weren't fully committed, it would have been mm-hmm. insane. And it was insane. But the fact that he was so energetic and so it. in it. Yeah. That's neat. And that the theater was so small. I remember it I love that. vividly this many years <laughs> later. I can hear his voice as wow. he's doing Mrs. Claus. It was hysterical. Maybe he's famous now. I really hope he is. I actually have never looked it up and I'm going to look it up right now. Huh. Jesse Tyler Ferguson, the guy from Modern Family, had a one-man show on Broadway for a little bit. 
That's the only person I know. Wait, here, here is uh, Santa Claus is coming out. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Solomon's charming and gently provocative solo show questions how the world would react to Santa being gay. This is from December 4th, 2009. Ooh. So he was doing this play for a while because wow. I'm pretty sure this was high school that I saw it. Holy crap. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is depicted as a liberal homosexual <laughs> heterosexual who heads up the misfit task force of Santa's workshop. I'm telling you. It, it sounds good. It was bonkers. And again, it was like... <laughs> I like the idea of a fictional one-man show because I get a little tired of all the autobiography. Well, and that's what they were poking fun at with his. Yeah. Like, you hear, do you smell that? The cooking? <laughs> do you hear my dad yelling at the cricket game? <laughs> yeah. My friend from high school, Beth, who's now a stand-up, was in the speech and debate team, and they did a two-man show... And they did. At I can't point remember. Do you stop denoting the amount of people. Well, in it was it? different it... though. It's called something specific where they're talking to each other, but they're facing the audience and reacting to an imagine to as if the person was standing in front of them, but they're both standing side by side facing the audience. Oh, okay. And it's something in in speech in drama that they were practicing for, I swear to God, like regionals. Like they were, so they did it on our stage Mm. for the whole school. And I think it was a play or a a two-man show or whatever the hell it was called. I swear it was like Gilda Radner and somebody. And it was like about like they were going home to her house for Thanksgiving and he had to like put his penis away for the weekend or something. And I remember them like being like 17 or 18 and being like, this material is way too old for you. But Beth totally pulled it off. Like still, I remember it to this day, like we are way too young for this. And who approved doing this in front of the whole school? And why is she crushing it? But she was so good. It was really cool and different. And to watch them like, react to each other but they're looking at nothing they're wow. looking in front of them so you know in into the audience and it was really different that would be hard because you'd have nothing to visually go off of yeah. you'd, it, it would almost have to be a lot more uh like writ memory to some extent oh you had I mean, to memorize the hear- whole thing no i know yeah. you'd, you'd be hearing it but i mean like to not see a person in a real mm-hmm. back and forth off but, of their but also have them right next to you too. yeah so it's very different. Yeah. I wonder what the hell that was called. I could not find it. Nothing comes up when I write two-man show Gilda Radner. Mm. What about Penis in a Box or just Beat Dick in a Box, the uh, Justin Timberlake thing? Penis in a Box, Gilda Radner uh, brings up swear swear words, blasphemy, and Justin Timberlake. Oh, and something about Milton Berle having a giant penis. Okay, so a big chunk of this movie is arranged marriage. Number one. Range marriage not looking so bad at this point <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, but so these girls come in yeah. and, and I have to believe this is just somewhat kind of what by. it's like. Yeah, just stopping by, <laughs> but they had to have you would think like well the one had a the go to things they would have to have go to mm-hmm. things. The one girl had a dollar bill or a twenty that she drew like sunglasses on and they drop like mm-hmm. a magic trick. <laughs> she was so great. I. If if it was, I know there that usually it's the the girl would well the movie usually in this movie the girl comes in the guy's house and blah blah. If it was flipped and say I had to go to a girl's house, it was mm-hmm. like an arranged type of thing. I don't know that I'd have a trick exactly, mm-hmm. but what I would do this would be my go to maneuver. I think 
I would pick a joke from the camp that I help out at, and I would tell the joke. And then when the joke doesn't really land, because it purposely wouldn't, I'd explain then the backstory of the joke. And all of a sudden, I'm talking about stories from camp where I'm helping out kids and things. You know, that makes me look very, uh, mm. very, very desirable and very good. That would be kind of one of my go-tos. Okay. And I think that would work in that setting because, you it would imp- you know, it would impress <laughs> parents, but it would make me very you know, approachable and, you know, charitable. Hmm. Would you have any go-to, Sarah? Do you have a magic you, trick again, that I don't know about? thought about this a lot more than I have. <laughs> I need to text you these couple talking points. Yes. But then I usually don't know what you're talking about anyway. Yeah. Well, so either way, that would be what I would kind of do because I don't have any magic tricks. I wish I did. I desperately wish I knew magic tricks, but not enough to learn them. I just mm. would like to suddenly know magic tricks because <laughs> you better believe I would use magic tricks on, on a date of some type. Yeah. I <laughs> You you don't think I think Tricks that twenty for horrors, Michael <laughs> illusions. I do illusions. That twenty dollar bill thing would kill. <laughs> that twenty dollar bill thing is solid. But she's so good too at that because she's so compelling and innocent. She's just a you know a young Pakistani girl yeah. like trying to impress the parents. I also love the last girl that he meets with when he finally is just like i'm not in this arranged marriage thing and things mm-hmm. seem to be going really That's good with her. her is that the same girl was she yeah. the one that did the, t- the 20 dollar yeah. bill trick mm-hmm. oh okay then yeah her mm-hmm. i loved her and when she after he said he's just not that into it and she kind of has like a little bit of a breakdown thing mm-hmm. i want more of her story i yeah. like what that girl's about again we got more character development out of her than really we good. do Catherine heigl not to pick <laughs> on her but in all of her other and in, in her other romantic mm-hmm. comedies well, more depth yeah but that's what i'm in and that's mm-hmm. amazing and yeah. i wanted to know more about her and what does she say do you doesn't do you ever just get tired yeah and i was like do you or <sighs> you ever feel like you just We'll get in relationships so you can relax, so you can finally relax. <laughs> I've never felt like, I mean, that that is, I've never felt that, but I really, I've known people that feel like that. I felt that. And it, ugh, my heart goes out. Yeah. You know, like my heart goes out. I, I really felt for that girl in that mm-hmm. scene. And then she told Kumail to stop apologizing. Mm-hmm. Damn right, tell him to stop apologizing. Um, she is in the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love her. She's great. Oh, would I like that show? Oh, yeah. It's a musical rom-com. Oh. It's a TV show. Oh. She meets this guy in camp. She randomly sees him like 10 years later, 15 years later, when she's a successful lawyer in New York, has a breakdown. He tells her he lives in California, back in West Covina, and she moves to West Covina to basically drops her whole life to to be with him, even though he's not single. And it's all, there's tons of music. The guy who plays Hans from Frozen is in it. Rachel Bloom. The guy from Fountains of Wayne who just recently died was one of the co-writers of all the music. Oh, wow. It's such a good show. She's in one especially. She's also in a movie that I it's it has terrible ratings called Right Before Aaron that appears to be a rom com. And mm. I'm fascinated by the name of that movie. Aaron with an E R? Double A. Oh. Double A Aaron. An A Aaron. A Aaron. I will say, again, parts in this movie that just grab you. One of them was when she so she comes out of the coma. 
they've had a fight. She doesn't know that he's had all this progression and whatnot. And, and they say that she, the drugs that she's on are make, is making her very unfiltered. Socially uninhibited. Yeah. Yeah. And she, what she says to him. <laughs> I want you to leave. And he's like, well, okay. It, it's it's not just that she you says that. You make me sad. You make me sad in my heart. Yeah. You make me sad in my heart. <laughs> I have used that so many times to no. get June to realize oh, what she does oh for her actions. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My heart skipped a beat. I didn't know what the end of that sentence was going to be. I thought you were going to say you've used that so many times to like Brian or other people you've dated or just no. to anyone that isn't a like two-year-old. No. Oh. I'll say like, Junie, when you take a bath and you keep the water in the bath, that makes me happy in my heart. But when you splash, that makes me sad in my heart. Oh my god, the way you're saying it is a lot her. better than her. Yeah, <laughs> to, and then sometimes she'll get very <laughs> sad. Well, yeah, know? because that if an, if a ex girlfriend said that to me, I don't. <laughs> that would be that's one of those lines. <sighs> like it's one of those things that I heard it said, and I know that if someone said that to me, that someone that meant a lot to me, like you know, if some random person in the supermarket said, "You make me <laughs> sad in my heart," okie dokie, whack it. <laughs> do i'm cool if a girlfriend said that to me an ex-girlfriend that would be a moment that my life would pivot around like i wouldn't <laughs> recover from that well that would like be a, a roundabout it would be take stock of your entire how did you get here because this is unacceptable for someone you care about or cared about to say you make me sad in my heart that's not unacceptable for me it would be unacceptable i it would that would be a thing that would shake me to my core 100 it absolutely would be for me to hear that someone that meant a lot to me, that I didn't just make them sad. I made them sad in their heart. <laughs> and the way she said it was so well delivered. Went, yeah. She like kind of like smirked on one side. Like, yeah. Mm. I'm, that's for me, though, that that would be a thing that I, it, that one really, really, really hammered me. Aww. And then when he tried again to to give her some gifts and whatnot and mm -hmm. what's he doing here and all this and i thought she explained it really well yeah they gave it context of i've been in a coma to yeah. me this has been like this means nothing yeah <laughs> to you i'm glad you made all, i i can see that side of it she made a really good point he moved on i liked that part of it too because it yeah. again felt i mean i know it's their He's story not waiting around for her he he moved to New York and he's trying to make things happen for himself. He's not, he's not being like baggy or putting his life on hold yeah. or anything. I think that, and also the B plot of this with the parents and whatnot, I think that speaks to what the whole movie is telling you. It, it's that love is messy, but if you're true to yourself, I mean, really like just follow your heart, put yourself out there and be, yeah. be true to yourself. Like things will work their way out and it will be messy and it will hurt, mm -hmm. but it'll work its way out. And if it, cause like, again, he just, he was ready to move on and get on with his life. Things seem like they were. He out. was ready, but he was we going knew it was to time. do it. He knew it was time. Well, yeah. you're never ready. Okay. I guess that you're never ready for those things, but yeah. he knew he had to, yeah. he knew it was time. But I think to me, that's what the, the whole point of the movie wrapped up. And again, both the parents pl plot mm -hmm. and the main one is it seemed to be like life and love is really messy. But just you because, again, even with, I guess, the C plot, B plot, one of the plots <laughs> with his parents, the same thing. <laughs> Once he was honest with them, you know, their relationship hit 
a rocky patch, but then he came in and said, no, I'm not out of the family. No, you're not disowning me. And, <laughs> and suddenly there was a new depth there. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what I took away from the movie, Sarah. It was just, you have to be true to yourself and not be scared of, of what happens. Whatever happens, you'll make it through. Yeah. And just keep going. Yeah. That's what I took out of it. It's messy. Life's messy. And yeah, you can't wait around for love you can't force love fuck telling me <laughs> you can't hurry love you can't you, you, just, you just have, have to, to wait, wait. Mm-hmm. love don't come easy the game of give and take yes though i will say the one thing in this movie i didn't like and it's not the movie it's just how she handled it is when she sees him and she seems like she's coming back around she goes and sees him after his one man show mm-hmm. and he kind of stops her. It's like, I'm moving to New York. Like he knew what was probably coming out of her, her lips next. Mm-hmm. She backed off the throttle that I don't like. I mean, she backed off the throttle. She was going to tell him that she was, I think she was going to tell him that she was interested, mm-hmm. you know, in him still. And he kind of cut her off and was like, I'm moving to New York. I mean, he literally, that was the line. He was like, I'm moving to New York. Yeah. And then she stopped saying what she was going to say. Well, because she probably, I mean, I think that was more of like an honest, like, I don't want to hold you here if that's your decision. But if that's me and I go to bear my heart to someone at 35, at 35, mm-hmm. and they said, well, I'm doing X, Y, Z, I'm moving. I'm dumb. No, I'm still going to tell you. I'm this. I am here to tell you this. And this now it is now it is out. It, it is out there. Mm-hmm. I know nothing will now come of it because you're going and doing this other thing. But like, no, I'm already one foot is in the pool. But aren't you putting your feelings <sighs> above them. theirs? Then? We've talked about this before. <sighs> yeah, to some extent, but she already, again, it, she showed up randomly. She'd already kind of initiated the conversation in that direction. She's dipping her toe in. But then he doesn't let her. Like he, it's almost like he stops her. Yeah. Because he's like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I know in the past I've said that I wouldn't want to put that burden on someone that I would not want to put that burden on someone else, but where my mind is now in things, I, I would want to get it out there and say to them so that they knew under no uncertain terms, this is how I feel. And that's where I'm hmm. at right now. And that's, I get why Maybe she, didn't, she didn't feel Maybe she had some ambivalence. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was there to see him and support him, but she didn't necessarily plan on burying her soul. Mm-hmm. You know? And then he tells her that information. She's like, okay, well, let him do well, his thing. Yeah, maybe you're right. And I did like at the end that they redid the meat cute. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was clever. Yeah. So. Woo! Do you have anything else, Sarah? Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Showalter directed this. Do you know what he's from? Michael Showalter from uh, uh, um, the the is he the state? I think so. He's in a show about Michael and Michael on on Comedy Central with Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter. But what he is famous for? Yeah, Michael Showalter is on the state. Okay, he's like been in Michael a bunch Ian, of stuff. With Michael Ian Black and yeah. yeah. Well, what he's famous for that Laura Englehart and I love. Oh, what Hot American Summer. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. When he, <laughs> when she says something about like, you're probably going to think I'm a slut. And he says, I love sluts. Sluts are my favorite. 
Like Laura and I would say that all the time. Like, no, sluts are. I love sluts. Like, don't run away because you think this is some excuse. I loved when in the second one mm-hmm. how they started. They don't po- just don't make any why anyone got nineteen years older or whatever. And he, how he put on weight and it was just yeah. it was oh, just wonderful oh, because he was so, coop because he was so young and sweet and that was the kind of guy laura had a real thing for really oh yeah like the cross country kind of string tall stringy a little bit nerdy but like quick witted that was like laura's jam man yeah and then (laughs) i was like yeah i can see that that's really sweet and i i liked him too and then i saw him in the new one i was like (laughs) oh you're old (laughs) but it doesn't make me love you any less no I, they were I, I I liked how they went off the rails in the other ones. Yeah, that, that was, was Bradley was Cooper's big. Uh, it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, everybody was in that thing. God, that was such a good movie. It really was. Ugh, I love the trip to town. The when they <laughs> so they just need to blow off steam. <laughs> yeah. for like, they say like an hour. Yeah, and then it becomes like a drug den, like just like goes crazy. Amy Poehler, I think, is punching Bradley <sighs> Cooper at one point. Yeah. <laughs> And David Hyde Pierce is the astronomer. Yes. Mm. All right, Sarah. So we need to rip through. Is it a rom-com, though? We have our meet cute. meet cute. Our meet cute's great where she heckles him, and mm. then they echo it later in the movie mm-hmm. or at the ending. A great meet cute. The conflict is that... She's in a coma. Well, well, first, she's white. She's a white woman. Yeah. And he's a Pakistani man with a very... Traditional. Devout, yeah. Family. Um, and then the next conflict is that she's in in a a coma coma. (laughs) and he has to deal with all this shit with his family, which gives him time to figure out what the hell he wants to do. And I think Terry Gross asked him if she had not been in that coma, would you be together today? And he's like, I don't know if we would because it really forced him to meet her family one to get really invested in her and decide what his real feelings were and to kind of own up to what he really wanted and how that related to his family. Well, that is, this movie did introduce two terrifying aspects of a relationship that I had yet to really consider. Mm. A, the idea of someone that you are newly dating, like they were broken up in my scenario, just Mm. someone you're newly dating, getting sick, Mm. and then you being in that position of, do I stay or do I go? Ba, ba, da, da. I, you know what I mean? That. Yeah. And then the other the scary thing was uh, the idea of someone that you really, really cared about suddenly just being ripped away from you. And I realized that's life. But, you know, like, oh, no, suddenly, like, everything was all hunky-dory and now you're gone. Like, again, life. But that's scary. But, yeah. no, I've wondered with the what I would do if I was dating someone and they... They got sick. I think realistically knowing me, I would I would gut it out regardless of anything, probably just because I have that type of heart, you know? Yeah. And I always did wonder a little bit and not to digress too much. But even when I was I'd been dating Katie for a long time when my dad got sick and whatnot. But I always felt a little guilty about that, too. And a couple of times I really almost wanted to say to her, like, if you got to check out. Like, I get it. Like, you don't owe me any, but I, she never made me feel like that. I, you know, made myself wonder that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But so as I, you know, as I kind of watched this, that's where, that's where my head went 
through a, a big chunk of it. I was like, man, what, what would I do if I was on either side of this? Not in a coma, obviously, but if I was like sick, would I mm-hmm. want someone to even stand by and you know, stay? That's hard. Or, yeah. I, I guess it depends on how real your connection is. Yeah. But that also what just, happened right before you got well, sick. And that complicates things so mm-hmm. much because even if it was going really good, mm-hmm. how do you how do you know? How do you handle that? There's a movie streaming right now that Brian and I almost watched. <laughs> almost, except that it costs six dollars to rent. That's the only reason That's we a didn't watch it. Deep fee. I don't want to pay six dollars. Yeah. There is a Christian country singer. Hey. Sounds like it might be worth $6. Who came out with a movie about his life story. His name is Jeremy Camp. Okay. It's called I Still Believe. And it's a song he wrote right after um, his wife died. He dated her throughout college. And then uh, she found out she had ovarian cancer. And they got married anyway, and she died like six months later. And it's the story of their life. And we saw the preview, and I was like, this guy's pretty attractive. This looks interesting. <laughs> and then I look up who Jeremy Camp looks like, and I'm like, ah, he's not attractive. Wait, is he in the film? No. Oh, okay. He's not. He's, he's played by a very cute guy that's very compelling. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, ah. He's a little bit scary. So you didn't spend the $6. We didn't spend the $6, but now I'm like, should we spend the $6? But now I know what Jeremy Camp looks like. Oh, well, there you go. You've always talked about that. If only there was a way to know what Jeremy Camp looked like. Yeah, he looks like this. That's a unique look he's got going on, (laughs) huh? Soul patch. That's a very strong soul patch. Yeah. If you told me... Now, if you gave me two options, country is he a country singer or is he in a Smash Mouth cover band? I'm picking Smash Mouth cover oh, band yeah. 10 out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. His head's too long. It's a He does suffer from long head. Yeah. Okay, so we've got our conflict. This movie has next to no soundtrack to speak of, but you don't... That's his wedding picture. That is not That's his wedding photo. That's the facial hair he went with. For That's his not a real photo. wedding photo. You're That's, showing me a that doctored poor wedding that died poor, six months later. Was it because of that? Of the facial hair. It was it's, cancerous. It's like a chin strap. That but ends, he ends it and then right the where the Fu Manchu would again. come in and then has a little soul patch. It's a beard minus the Fu Manchu portion. And his hair is like gelled straight up, kind of Guy Fieri. Ask. His hair took longer than hers did. Yeah. My goodness. Poor, poor woman. My goodness. Yeah. You and you didn't spend the six dollars. I didn't. <laughs> I should have. You really should have. Still can. Question mark. It's still there. All right. Soundtrack. This movie has like no soundtrack yeah, to speak of. I can't of. think of a single exactly. song. Exactly. And I. But here's the thing. I didn't realize till halfway through the movie. When I, I didn't when I, realize when I, looked, I was thinking about it like half an hour ago. Yeah, well, I look, I, I was kind of making notes and going. I was like, I haven't heard a single song during this. There's only, it looks like everything that is listed is kind of like background-y type music. Like two-day rule, one-man show, can't mm. lose my family, biopsy results. But there is a song, I assume it's the credit song by The Bird and the Bee, My Love. Hmm. So this has really no, no soundtrack. soundtrack. And we haven't had... 
a rom-com yet that's just straight up had like no, no music. Yeah. yeah. Does this movie qualify as a mumblecore movie? I don't know what mumblecore is. Because Brian was talking about how Ray Romano kind of just mumbles his way through things. And I was like, well, that's kind of a thing that like, there's a movie that Alison Brie and you um, told yeah 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 drinking buddies well no that's a different one but oh. yeah that's also a mumblecore movie happy christmas no that's anna kendrick love anna kendrick anna kendrick you know what sarah anna she, kendrick she, i would love her to correct me hmm mumblecore is a subgenre of independent film characterized by naturalistic acting and dialogue yeah the duplass brothers did a lot of mumblecore how mumblecore films are changing the Hollywood landscape. Francis Ha, um, Drinking Buddies, Anything by Jay and Mark Duplass. And it just kind of huh. feels that way. It's interesting. I'll have to trust you on it because I haven't seen any of these movies. Oh, yeah. Tiny Furniture, stuff by Lena Dunham. That also kind of plays into the whole no soundtrack thing it's more mm. realistic it's you know slice yeah. of life stuff like i don't think there's a montage well i guess there is a montage when they first start dating where like she she finally decides okay we are gonna date even though she keeps telling him no and then they end up keep hooking up yeah i'm pretty sure and, there is in that area like somewhere in there but there's no music i guess if it is, it's just this like background yeah. It's called interstitial. Is it called interstitial? Yes. Okay. Well, interstitial one of the interstitials music. is called voicemail from Emily. Oh. Oh, yeah. And he that was fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because they say a person's voice is what you forget first. Yeah. That's what I've heard. And I'm like terrified. I won't listen to recordings of like my dad because I'm terrified. I'd have forgotten what his, I'll hear his voice and go like, well, that's not what it's supposed to sound like. Oh, like no. I'm genuinely terrified of that. Hmm. Though I did have a uh, dream about an ex, a long ago ex-girlfriend the other night randomly. Not like she made a cameo in it. Mm-hmm. Whoa, 100% voice. Clear as a bell. Hmm. Clear as a bell. So I haven't at least forgotten a ex-girlfriend's uh, voice from eons ago. Hmm. So that's good. I got that going for me, Sarah. Yay. Which is nice. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we do have our there's mo- there's a secondary love story there is between her parents yeah which is fun and familial love and there's also another love kind of thing with him and all of the women that his mom keeps trying to set him up with mm-hmm. uh, sassy side friend his roommate Chris well, his ro- yeah his roommates probably all the comedians you kind of lump they can kind of be lumped together yeah Though I don't think any of them really give him a moment of truth. The, the, I think it's Ray Romano is the one that really just tries to, to give him the moment of truth. Yeah. And what it really seemed to me and what he was saying, like, ah, oh, that's bad advice, was really a way of displaying what I was saying. Like, mm-hmm. life is really just messy. You just kind of have to try to do your best and be true to yourself. Yeah. But Ray Romano really wasn't like the sassy side friend. No. Or were he and Holly Hunter in a way? Because him and Holly Hunter have that whole night together when Ray Romano's passed out yeah. and they're looking <laughs> through things. Oh my God, were Holly, was Holly Hunter the sassy side friend? Oh my God, she was. Because even at the end where he uh, is leaving like the her hospital room mm-hmm. and she kind of comes out and kind of consoles him a little bit, mm-hmm. I think Holly Hunter may be the sassy side friend in a way. She yeah. yells at the heckler. 
That's true. She kind of does give a little bit of advice to both, both of them. are. Yeah. But I'd say him and Ray Romano <laughs> more so than the comedian friends. Yeah. Oh, I like this. Wow. I didn't even think of that wow. as I was watching. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, location, it's Chicago, but you don't really know that. I think it, it had to be either Chicago, New York, or it had to be a place with a, a... Could be Los Angeles. It, but... it had to be one of the places with a really big comedy scene or else it wouldn't make sense that he is just a, he's a comedian, but he's serious about yeah. it. Yeah. Anywhere else it would just be like, okay, he does comedy and I love ever. when he asks, like... If you didn't want us to be American, why did you bring us here? <laughs> like, which is so true. It's like, what did you expect in a way? <laughs> like, it's gonna rub off. Yeah. Uh, the sub genre is it a breakup movie? Is it a? You know what? I will call it a breakup movie because he the the growth he goes through in the middle of it is like what we would usually see in a breakup movie. Yeah. You know, and she mm-hmm. is removed from the plot as a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what am I looking for? Foil? Not interactive part. She's not like an active participant in the movie. She's there, but for like half the movie, she's just. Yeah. Apparently she would fall asleep in the bed and then wake up mid-take and ruin takes. Because she was supposed to just be sleeping. Yes. <laughs> I would be taking naps too. It's the <laughs> yeah. dream. Get paid for naps. Yeah. I'd go with breakup movie for sure. Yeah. I like that for this. It wasn't really a precocious child. No. Uh, no cameos. No, not that I'm aware of. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Addie Bryant wasn't a cameo. She was an actual character. Yeah. That would have been... It would and have, Bo Burnham, too. Yeah. It would have been a good chance for them to have as the, the talent agent. They could have had someone there. Mm. That would have been fun. But. Well, that guy from the Montreal, that's actually him. Oh. Well, but, good, well good then. Bob, whatever, Balaban or something. Moynihan, Bobby Moynihan. Bobby Moynihan. Um, there isn't a lot of physical comedy. Well, Ray Romano is good at it. And like the air mattress, really. When he flips but, out at the Burger King and smashes the Oh, yeah. Thing. And then goes and cleans it back up. I know. That's, <laughs> and then orders more food. <laughs> yeah. That guy, yeah. So, yeah, there's some, but there's not a lot. It's that mo- guy it's dialogue who's at Burger King He's in is so becoming the new character actor. Yeah. He is amazing. Yeah. He has the most unusual body and face ever. Yes. And I love him. He's in... Um, uh, oh, Goddamn. Stranger Things. He's can like He works at the um, movie store. Arcade? Isn't he the arcade? Works at the arcade, yeah. And then he's also in um, series of unfortunate events. It's really good. Uh, is you mean uh, Matthew Carderopel? Carderopel. Carderopel. Thirty-seven years old. He's thirty-seven. He's thirty-seven. Jesus. He, he looks like he's like twenty-four. Yeah. Wow. Okey Twenty-two. Dokey. Well, there you go. Well, Matthew, you've done something wonderful with your skin. Yeah, he really has. And I love you. (laughs) And everything you do. Um, Our moments of truth in the movie, like we said, we have our, like, just at least what I took out of it was just do what what you're going to do, live authentically, and, like, Mm. it'll work its way out. Just be brave, live authentically. You can't lie even to your family. Even if you love them, you can't lie about who you are. Yeah. Apparently that's good writing advice too. 
write like your parents are dead because you can't write for them. Yeah. Write like your parents are dead. That's like, I get it, but I don't like the way it rolls off your lips <laughs> and the way it's hitting my ears, but I get it. <laughs> so then is that, is that about it? Yeah. What do you call Then what are you putting on this? If you got to put a number on it, this one's kind of a little, it's different. It's hard because it is. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it is the, the driving force of it's the story. It's got a little bit of Romeo and Juliet going on too. How so? The two people from different worlds whose oh. families don't necessarily want them to be together, or at least his family doesn't. Mm. Well, her mom, her mom certainly is not a fan of him at first, but that's because of how he hid her, her from his family. <laughs> yeah. But Holly Hunter comes around. Yeah. But, but it's, it's undeniable that it is a rom-com. The driving force, the driving force through all of it is the relationship between the two of them, even when one of them is in a coma right i mean i i i if i was putting a number value on it as an alien comes down looks at it and it's a rom-com i'm i'm giving it probably an eight five eight yeah. five eight five and nine maybe yeah that's all right yeah. and i and i don't think it didn't need us if it had a soundtrack it wouldn't it just didn't need it it wouldn't have added we didn't anything. notice that it wasn't there exactly yeah and all the other stuff yeah i'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably giving it an eight eight and a half or a nine yeah well, that's a good one the, I like it. The one thing that I did, they th- the last thing that I really have here, though, mm-hmm. and Holly Hunter brings it up, Tim, and I don't know that we've seen this brought up in another romantic comedy, but it is just, it's something I think about a lot in my everyday, where he says to her as he's leaving the hospital, something the effect of, you know, it's weird to go through something this important and traumatic with somebody and then think you may never see them again. Yeah. And she's like, well, I, I hope not. Mm-hmm. But that's like... I think about that a lot that you just, you never know the last time you're going to see somebody usually. I mean, usually you don't. And I sit there a lot thinking like, obviously you're writing eulogies. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm right. Yeah. I'm writing eulogies. I do think about this stuff and like, you know, there's going to come a time I see you for the last time. There's going to come a time I see like, whether it's we stop talking or this or that. Like, I think about that, and it's just so... You probably shouldn't do that. Well, but it's... No, it's because it, it makes you realize how important it is, like, every moment you have with someone. Just because it is odd that you can have this... Uh, have such a history with someone, or, you know, strong connections, mm-hmm. or long this or that, and then just... They can just stop returning your phone calls one day. That, I mean, that type of stuff. It's yeah. just someone can walk out of your life, or you not see somebody, mm-hmm. and it's just... And it's taken me a long time to kind of wrap my head around like that doesn't mean everything else was meaningless. And it does. It just that is how life keeps flowing. <laughs> but I, I like that, that they that they kind of mention that because it, it I don't know. It's just that's kind of a tough thing that I, I don't know in life. I've had a, t- a tough time kind of kind of making amends with just this hmm. idea that like you can go through these big, powerful things one and then just poof that's the end of it you're just done with that thing now Mm -hmm. and you both go on shared circumstances like your camp friends and how close you are with them exactly you never see them again never see them again someone you can be best friends with for like a week and then just Mm -hmm. goodbye and that's and that is beautiful to sometimes have those short strong relationships i mean it is but then other times there's people that are very big parts of your life that are just for whatever reason inexplicably gone 
you know, whether it yeah. be death or they just move or they choose not to be or this. Or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I That was a really small part of this movie. It was just like a little 30 second line thing. Mm-hmm. But it was a part that I thought, like, I don't know. It really, it really me because, again, it is something I spend a time just kind of musing about yeah. thinking about because I've I've experienced a lot of people coming and going in my life over the years and that's okay mm-hmm. um, but you just try to make sense of it and I kind of I, I kind of like that a movie acknowledged that yeah. I, I see where I see you Kumail <laughs> and luckily they did end up together yeah that's wonderful yeah that's about all I got me too. Oh, okay. Well, Sarah, someone look, wanted to look on Instagram and see a picture of you on Jeopardy. <laughs> and nothing else because I haven't updated it in we'll, a while. We'll do that. Uh, you go to romcomcomdotcom on Instagram or romcomcom.com on Facebook or our email, which is romcomcomdotcom at gmail.com. Yeah. And, uh, if you like our intro and outro theme, check out This Is My Suitcase. I, I feel like Joe did something recently during this pandemic thing. I thought he wrote a, like children's songs or something. No, I feel like he really recently did something. Like yeah. he, maybe he put up a This Is My Suitcase something or other. Either way, follow them. Check them out if you like it. Our yeah. intro and outro is the song Love off the keys to Cat Heaven. Yeah. So check that out. So. Yeah, I think that's about it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed this one, Sarah. Me too. I had fun. Me too. Goodbye. Is that our dog?